angel of Gabriel came to me, came down from the throne of God, dropped like lightning, like a pillar of fire that hit the ground while still affixed in heaven. I was standing on the ridge over Nazareth, and I couldn't move. The lightning spoke, which was like thunder. Rejoice, O favored one, the Lord is with you. I sat down, afraid. Rejoice? Who beats me up with rejoice? But then the pillar of fire resolved itself into the figure of a man, star-like, sparkling, who spoke more near my natural hearing. Do not be afraid, Mary. The Lord holds you in his highest regard and sends me to tell you, woman, you are about to conceive. You will bear a child and will call him Jesus. So great will be the boy you bear that even the angels will call him the Son of the Most High. Gabriel's voice was like a waterfall. You too, Yeshi, my son, you will hear that voice one day like the music that made the mountains. But even if my messenger was an angel, he, he didn't make sense. How can this be, I said, getting to my feet. How can I have a child while I am still a virgin? I have never yet lain with a man. Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. No, not said. He was singing it now, like the wind at the mouth of a cave. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the child to be born of you will be called holy the Son of God. I didn't understand this overshadow, like a cloud maybe. Neither do I have memory of anything like overshadowing happening to me, but it must have worked. The angel said, you know that kingswoman, Elizabeth, is long past the change. Nevertheless, she has been pregnant for six months now. Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. Elizabeth and Zachariah, oh my, just like Abraham and Sarah, whose belly in old age swelled with the gift of the Almighty. And me? Yes, she, I looked straight into that showering light of the angel and said yes to you. Yes to your borning. Yes to everything God intended to do and intends to do even yet. In the presence of that lightning crack of a messenger, I cried, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it happen according to your word. Well, so what did I do then? I ran. I was a really good runner in those days. To Mama, I ran with the news about Elizabeth. She's going to have a baby, I exclaimed. Mama, of course, did not believe me. I told her I heard it from an angel. She said she'd have to see it for herself. I said, come on, and we took off. If she was going to follow me, she'd better hurry, because I was on my way, not even looking back. Like the sparrow, I flew south and south and then east on the stony trail to Zachariah's village. At the moment I opened the door into her courtyard, old Elizabeth rose up and clapped her hands and laughed. I had only just begun to greet her. I came to tell you when she grabbed her belly and gasped in wide-eyed astonishment. Mary, she cried, 
Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How did she know? How could she know? Oh, yes, she, her tummy was as big as a melon. Elizabeth waddled over and took my hands and bent and kissed me. As soon as you spoke, she said, my baby jumped. He jumped for joy that you are here, the mother of our Lord. She knew who you were to be, Yeshi. Her giggles, the wrinkles all over her face, they were like timbrels, and I couldn't help it. I began to clap. I shuffled my feet. I danced. And I, me, Yeshi, your foolish mama, I started to sing. My soul proclaims you great, I sang to our God. Elizabeth, that old lady, she danced as well. Well, and my words weren't mine at all. They fell on me like rain. My soul proclaims you are great, my Lord. My spirit laughs in you, my Savior. Your name be glorified. You raised me from my low estate. The world will call her fortunate. Who in your shadow lies? You've swept the mighty from their thrones, but the poor, the poor and the hungry ones, you've filled with good, my Lord. You have bent your righteous arms, scattered the rich, sent the proud, proud heart stricken and empty away. You've served your servant Israel, and recalling all things merciful, serve us forevermore. And then it was two weeks later that I got the news of you. Announced to me this time by my own body, my body grew tender and soft. My mother, who, yes, had come not only to control her flighty daughter, but also to be Elizabeth's midwife, stared at me from the corner of her eye. Signs of a baby, she said. She frowned. This did not make her happy. What have you been doing, Mary? She scolded. Dear Elizabeth didn't frown. She winked and smiled at me. I was so thankful that someone knew and believed and could befriend me and for a while could distract my mother from her suspicions. That marvelous old woman, Elizabeth. Three months later, she bore a red, squashed-faced, slickery infant into the world. I watched. I helped. My mother was a mighty force. Don't push she said, her hands adjusting flesh and bone inside Elizabeth, who was squatting on the birthing school. Then, push, she said with such assurance that Elizabeth did exactly as she was told. Push, sister. I held the lamp that scorched the knife that sizzled the cord when the baby came, then cut and closed the wound at once. And when he did come, oh, how that baby bellowed. And the biggest little hands and feet ever I saw on a newborn. Of course, the old men sitting with Zachariah in the courtyard listening to the baby bawling. Of course, you will name him Zachariah. And the women in Elizabeth's room said, Ah, oh, tiny Zachariah, your Abba has finally gotten glory. But Elizabeth said, Not Zachariah. We shall call the baby John. Hush. The women said, his father will name him, and we know what name Zachariah wants for his only son. But in the other room, the old priest was already writing on clay in a clear script these words, 
His name is John. John? Why John? Who is John after all? John, Zachariah said. An angel had named him so, he said, even before the baby was conceived. What angel? But Elizabeth said, Oh, Yeshi, you should have seen the looks on all those faces. Eyebrows up, mouths pinched. But Elizabeth, she winked at me. We both knew what angel Zachariah was talking about. Joseph, however, did not wink at me. He did not smile. It might have been that my mother told him. It might have been that he saw the puffiness in my face and my waist. He knew I was pregnant and that it was not by him. Oh, yes, she, he didn't even speak to me. I saw how his demeanor fell. I saw the tears brim in his eyes. Joseph, it's fine. It's fine, I pleaded with him. I tried to take his hand. Everything is legal and fine. But he drove his hand into his robe and shook his head and went away to his own house. And that, I thought, was the end of that. Let shame come down upon my head. Let all the world reject me. My betrothed, he was not wrong to put me away. But this man, this carpenter who had maybe 12 words in his head, wood and angles and measurements, all else. At sunrise the very next day, he came tumbling down the path to my father's house and pounded on our door and raised us all like God at the end of the world. For the angel Gabriel, he said, had visited him in a dream and had explained about God and me and the thing you, Yeshi, were to be. Today is the day, sweet Miriam, he said to me. Today is our marrying day. What a remarkable woman, huh? There's never really been anyone quite like her. I don't suppose there'll ever be anyone quite like her again. She was unique, to be sure, and she's worthy of our reverent uh, affection. She was different in her own day because she was a young woman who was quite versed in Scripture. We know this because of the words she spoke when she talked to her cousin Elizabeth. We know that she was raised by godly parents because of her yes to the angel Gabriel. This was not a surprise to her that God was planning to bring the Messiah and that now might be the time. She was remarkable because she humbly submitted to what would be a devastating change for her, or so it seemed. The angel said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This phrase has been interpreted different ways over the decades and centuries, but it seems to most likely mean you who are given exceptional grace for this particular occasion. And so it's important that we remember that Mary was, like most of the great heroes of the scriptures, an ordinary person flawed in the same ways as others and human to a fault, even the fault of having been born with a natural tendency to resist God, something we call natural sin or original sin. 
Now, this concept is disputed by some, and so I may be offending people without meaning to by saying that I believe Mary was, in every sense, an ordinary woman who was extraordinarily graced or blessed with the Holy Spirit for a particular occasion, for a particular purpose to fulfill according to God's particular plan. So to say that she was full of grace would imply that this was the way it always was, that she was somehow born without natural sin, but Scripture doesn't support that. Scripture says, quite the contrary, God delights in magnifying God's self through unlikely characters. And so we can look back through the entire Scripture and see that every extraordinary person started out being very ordinary even loaded with faults. Just look at Moses, look at Abraham, look at David, look at Joshua, Jeremiah, I could go on and on and on, Hosea. Every single hero of the Bible, every main character was very unlikely until they were filled with the Holy Spirit and enabled by God's grace to be whatever God intended for the particular occasion. They all have one thing in common that is exceptional and worthy of our attention, even our duplication, and it's humility. What made Mary and Joseph so remarkable is, is that they submitted themselves to God's authority. They listened to what God had to say, and they obeyed. They believed what God said, and they looked forward to fulfilling their role in God's plan. So making Mary out to be more than she ought is probably not wise, since we should always remember that it is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit who do the creating, the saving and the recreating, even the resurrecting, by the word. On the other hand, Mary and Joseph are definitely worthy of our respect, and they shouldn't be underrated either. It's very important to admire and respect Mary for her extraordinary faith and her commitment she did not run away from what most of us would have resisted with great effort. Joseph, when he was corrected about the situation, responded with faith and generous love. These people presented themselves as worthy caregivers for the Son of God. Let us not forget that these people were chosen by God to be the ones who would care for the infant son of God in a most vulnerable state. Imagine then that Mary's uniqueness is not only that she is an incredibly humble and faithful person, but she is a virgin. Her virginity is a vital part of our Christian doctrine, so I have to spend some time on this. This is one of those things that Christians believe and most of us don't really give it a great deal of thought, but we should, at least in this 
season where we celebrate Mary's incredible act of service to all of humanity and all the universe. Mary was a virgin, not just because she was chaste, because it wouldn't be that unusual for chaste young men and women to marry and have children. What makes Mary unique is, is that she had no particular relationship with Joseph that might lead to a child. To be frank, they didn't sleep together. They had, in fact, no sort of physical relationship until after Jesus' birth. This means that Mary was a virgin at the time of Jesus' birth. This is significant from a doctrinal and theological standpoint because it informs us that Jesus was not conceived in part by a man. In fact, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and the Bible tells us plainly that Jesus was without natural sin. In other words, Mary was the earthly physical vessel that carried Jesus to term and gave birth to him and it was the seed of the woman, as Genesis would have us understand it, who would then become the source of our salvation. But there was no seed of the man, since it was the Holy Spirit then that gave the conception. This is significant then as a doctrinal thing because it tells us why our salvation is completely dependent on this one and only child, this unique being in all of human existence. This was the Son of God. This was Mary's baby. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 proclaims, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The simple little phrase by Isaiah says it all, says to us that a child was born, that's Mary's baby, the son was given, that's the son of God. Given, meaning handed over, meaning not mine anymore, but yours. And so, yes, Mary and Joseph are special because this God person, the Son, is now confined to the most vulnerable state of human existence, an infant. And this infant child would be protected from beyond our reality and within our reality. And no one would be more intimately involved in his care than Mary and Joseph. And their faithfulness and their obedience would be vital to his survival so that he could live to fulfill his purpose. But this is, without doubt, the Son of God we're talking about. This is the one who, though he was every bit like his mother in her humanity, so that he needed sleep and food and physical protection, so that he needed to be uh, cared for, that he might have emotions of varying types, and that he might be sorrowful and angry, that, that his whole life would be like mine and yours, so that we could understand that our Lord, our Savior, really, really understands what it's like to be one of us. But what's really amazing is he came to be like us so that he could save us, but he came like God 
so that he could invite us to be back where we once were. To put it another way, he was born into our lowly estate so that he could give us new birth into his godly estate, which is pretty remarkable. Therefore, only the Son of God could come and be like us so that we could understand him in human terms, but then turn the thing around and invite us to come and be like him as the Son of God to even invite us to be sons and daughters of God ourselves through new birth in his salvation and the Holy Spirit. Remember that God, who was, excuse me, that remember that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, and yet he put himself in such a difficult position that he would be entirely dependent on his mom and dad for a time. Think about that for a moment. Think about his birth and the way that we celebrate it each year at this time and remember that when the shepherds were called to his side, when wise ones were called to his side when all the universe was celebrating this amazing birth and so much so that the people in this area of the world couldn't miss it. There was this light in the sky that couldn't be missed and there was this this tremendous energy in the world. It's really kind of remarkable to think about it because we really haven't experienced anything like it lately but there was this impending, amazing energy that was happening, this, this event of immeasurable consequence. It was on the cusp of occurring, and all in the presence and the intimate de- dependency of a young girl and her husband. Even that the most climactic part of this start, part of the story would occur in a cave meant for animals. It is really amazing when you think about it because some people have tried to define Jesus just as they've tried to define Mary in different terms. Some have tried to define Jesus as one who wasn't really like us, that wasn't really like us in any particular way other than he appeared to be like us. This was a heresy called docetism. Another one called Gnosticism was similar. It wasn't about experiencing Jesus the man as much as it was to experience Jesus the spirit being, you know. These are heresies that were put down even as you read in your letters from the apostles in the New Testament because of the danger they posed. Understand this, as I told you a few weeks ago, that Jesus came because God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Understand that God intends to save you, and the only thing standing between you and this salvation is your pride. And as a demonstration of his mere and unbelievable humanity, Jesus puts himself in the most vulnerable position any of us has ever experienced, which is infancy. And then this same Jesus, who would go from a cradle to a cross in order to save us, would end up being the King of kings and the Lord of lords, 
the savior of all humankind. How do we deal with that then? Well, I think the most obvious advice we can experience is Mary's wisdom. Just say yes. <laughs> Just say, let it be. You see, the problem many of us have is, is we have a lot of confidence in our own intellect and our, on our own particular grasp of things, and, and we want to see before we believe instead of believing so that we can see. Mary was ready because she was humble. Mary was ready because she submitted herself to God's authority without question. Mary was even celebrating the strange and mysterious things that God expected of her. So I guess Mary had a higher concern for the opinion of the Lord God than he, she had for the opinion of the people around her. Perhaps this is a problem for you. Perhaps you're wondering if you can really submit yourself to God's authority and risk being outcast or estranged from the things that are familiar and seem important to you. Well, we're still talking about Mary to this day, so I think she may have been on the right track. And if there's nothing else we can say about her, we can say that she was blessed among women if only because she was a woman who showed men and women throughout the ages the power of faith and humble submission. So let us pray that we might mirror her faith in our lives, let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word. Now bless us. Transform our lives by the example of those who faithfully trusted you and made themselves part of your plan, joining you in whatever you were doing, whatever the cost. In humility, they received your grace, and your grace changed them into more than the substance of their parts. Now do the same in us, we pray, for your namesake. Amen.